With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever in the world you are today. So it is April 6th. Uh, we are through Q1. And, um, you know, Mr. Ginsler is throwing all sorts of amazing things out on Twitter. And he has just turned into this amazing, everything's a security. And it's because he said so. Uh, shockingly, even despite all this, the cryptocurrency markets are doing still very well. We saw Bitcoin uh, drop a little bit below 28 on those comments, but then immediately come back. And so we're really seeing just a healthy, uh, healthy market of people that really do believe. Uh, in the long-term future of digital assets and, and digital works. And, you know, that's why I'm really excited today is because, you know, while Doge and, and some of these other ones may be backed by, you know, pixie dust and, and hopes and dreams, um, there are a lot of people that really understand and believe in where digital assets and where the digitization of real-world assets as well as other kind of uh, things that exist both in the digital and the physical world are really going to have a dynamic change over the next few decades. So with me today, and I'm really excited, we've got um, you know a, a, another brand new uh, startup, but it's, again, run by very experienced operators. So let's just go ahead and start with uh, Elizabeth. I'd love to kind of get a little bit of your background of where you are, uh, you know, how you got here today. Thanks, Jay. I started out in a completely different field. I studied international relations at Stanford, and I was focusing on arms control and disarmament, so something completely outside the realm of this uh, current uh, life choice. And then I went to graduate school and did international economics and aiming for the foreign service, but I ended up at Christie's, which was the most uh, amazing change in the road. And um, what I learned was that I loved to merge business with the art world, uh, and I've always been a big proponent of tech throughout. So um, merging all those three together has always been my, my, my dream. I left Christie's after about eight years, uh, went to another auction house for four years, went to an uh, appraisal company that uh, I, I turned around and built up for 18 years, and then founded Winston Art Group in 2010. So it's been a, a long absolutely, and interesting absolutely. road, seeing the uh, art from all the different angles. Nana, Nana Decking. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Jay. Yeah. So um, I'm actually an art historian, studied at the, studied at the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, my jobs in the Netherlands were initially very scholarly jobs. I worked for the Dutch royal family, helping them to create a catalog of their portrait collection. They had many portraits, as you can imagine. Uh, and I moved to New York in 96, uh, sort of reinventing myself, which is so nice about the United States that you can do it here, actually. And uh, I started an art advisory office company, very much focused on, uh, on, on attribution, not so much attribution, but provenance uh, issues. In those days, for the first time, people started to realize that Sometimes someone sells an artwork without clear title. There can be a lien on the artwork. It can be that the artwork was previously owned. 
in the Second World War or pre-Second World War by a Jewish family and that, thank God, there are now ways for the rightful owners to claim back the artwork. Uh, so that became my little niche, uh, provenance uh, research and making sure that people could trust uh, the artwork, so to say, if it came to the provenance of the piece. Um, then I started more an advisory in acquiring art, helping collectors in buying art, doing a lot of due diligence, and especially, of course, on the provenance, because that always be remained our strength. Uh, and then I joined a very big art dealership called the Wildenstein Gallery in those days. We're talking about like 99. They were by far the largest dealership at that time in the world from my specialism in French Impressionism actually came in handy working for the Wildenstein City, had a huge collection of French Impressionist art. And after Wildenstein, I joined Sotheby's and became the worldwide head of private sales of that company, of this auction house and, uh, and vice chairman of the company. But what I had learned during my career in the art market is that there are very special attributes that contribute value to an artwork. And they're very consistent. That has also been the business of Liz in the years that she was in the art market, that you realize, uh, of course, provenance is very, inter is very, very important, authenticity. But there are many more attributes that are a little bit more complex that people who are not insiders in this market will easily understand. Needless to say, previous sales, previous prices are very interesting, of course, but also not only was the previous owner a legal entity that... Uh, could engage in the art market, uh, but also was it someone who was already a famous collector or someone who became a famous collector? So there are a lot of attributes that are not necessarily easy mm. to understand that actually contribute value. How did tech come into my life? Through a previous collector, uh, one of my biggest clients was always Hasso Plettner, who built up a huge collection of French Impressionist art, which is public knowledge, otherwise I would never talk about a client. But Hasso was one of the founders of a tech company, of SAP, uh, and he always said, no, no, there needs to be a repository of trusted artworks, where it's not only that I have to trust Nana Decking when I buy art, but that I can also see what was the basis of Nana Decking's assessment for me to buy this artwork. And usually, when I would tell him to buy an artwork, I said the artwork has been in a public collection. It has, it has once been... Uh, in, in a big exhibition at the Orsay in, in France, for example, or an independent scholar has written about the artwork. So a lot of work that Liz and her team actually do as the largest independent appraisal firm in the world is the kind of information that collectors like to have before they start to trust non-decking. And that became this repository called Artry, uh, we're using blockchain technology. We tokenize underlying trust information for indeed real-world assets. We're going to talk about that in our case, fine art. So that's my my background. That's a that's a that's a really amazing story from from the two of you, and I can absolutely understand how you got so excited to partner together. Um, you know, and the reality is, I, I I'm not an art collector, so I'm not going to be any help here. But I do collect a number of of other things, and some are old, some are new. But but the reality is, is that I love when I have a true, you know, expert explain to me not just you know, hey, here's this. But the stories behind it, and that's right. really what what drives us to these. Is these are these may be inanimate objects, but some of them have you know centuries of of true history and and you know stories behind them that that are irreplaceable. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Fabulous. Uh, real quick, I've got an amazing co-host with me today, Sue Marks, as always. Um, Sue, uh, just a quick intro, because you are a, you know, an arts lover of, of many uh, different types of the arts, and, and just a quick background on yourself would be fabulous. Well, I'm a serial entrepreneur and uh, recently turned the CEO role uh, of the company I founded to our COO, and now have full time to devote to Web3, digital art, NFTs, etc. And uh, Liz and Nana, maybe you, you can, what you can tell our audience is, why should they care about tokenization? I mean, I, get, I think it's easy to get why you would care about provenance. You're buying a million dollar piece of art and you wouldn't buy a $30,000 car without a title and registration, right? But what right, does the tokenization right. bring? How do you explain that to people that aren't familiar with Web3? It's, it's, it's a great question and Liz will actually answer most of this question, but let me start with the tokenization part, because I don't believe technology ever helps when the underlying information is not trustworthy, whether you use blockchain or whatever technology. Uh, there's another thing that also makes people hesitant to use technology is if you have to do a lot of additional workflows to use the technology. So that's actually why I do believe that Winston and Artry uh, are such a great match. So for us, it was very important to understand there is a technology that can actually help a lot in giving reassurance that the underlying asset can be trusted because it actually captures trust information. But then you need to find the partners you can trust. It can never be Artry who says, oh, this is a trusted artwork because we use blockchain technology. So what we started doing was, A, start to create a repository of trusted artworks because we always told our partners to sign off on all that information, cryptographically sign off. So Christie's and Sotheby's have worked with us. Uh, one of the largest auctions of American art that ever took place in the history of this country was actually recorded on black blockchain, uh, the Epsworth collection at wow. Christie's, the first auction that ever was recorded on the blockchain by Artry. Um, but we, well, Liz and I have been knowing each other for a long time in the art market because we were working on different sides of the market. Liz was always the independent person, very often working for the same clients I, as I had, who would look at the information that I would give to a client. And of course, I was an art dealer. Let's not forget it. I was selling art. And I'm not saying that you necessarily lie when you want to say when you want to sell something, but it's a different angle and it's a different kind of emphasizing certain trust information if you want to sell something. So Liz and I actually collaborated really well, not because we collaborated really well. I'm doing this because I see Liz on my <laughs> lower right. But she was actually giving additional information to someone who wanted to buy an artwork. And her angle was much more independent than mine. So while we were talking, we were always talking a lot. Liz was very much interested in technology, have huge respect for what she built with, with Winston. And then we realized if an artwork has to be registered, what we called, if you want a blockchain registration of an artwork, why not use the current workflows of the Winston team, where someone comes to Winston, they will check all the trust information anyway. And there is actually now a way that someone can register an artwork or create a token of an artwork by going through our systems in a fully encrypted way and then become part of the regular workflow of Winston. And that creates that token. And then Liz and I started talking about 
look what's happening in the space. People are looking at fractionalized ownership of art. And we realize that expertise, the ex exceptional domain expertise is so important in this space. If you want to create new products, you want to make sure that people engage, new audiences engage with the right kind of art and not, if I may disrespectfully say, it's sort of the leftovers of the art market that the art market can sell. And this can easily pick up from there because that's very much what Winston does. They have a completely different relationship with, with, with art, so to say, and the people owning art. Yeah, let me jump in and say, you know, we are we are the largest independent art advisory and appraisal firm in the U.S. So our job for our clients is to be their advocate. And there are two issues in the art market that clients always talk about when they're thinking about art as an asset class, which is uh, increasingly what they're talking about. One is Ill illiquidity and the second is opacity. The art market is really opaque. Uh, so you really have to take on faith, which we don't like. We'd rather have people take on trust, and that's what we do. So we we do 54 different um, uh, items of due diligence before we purchase anything for a client. When we talk about tokenization, we can give that information to Nana's team at Artery, and they're going to register that and provide a token. That token is on blockchain that makes that work much more interesting than a work that doesn't have all that due diligence done. So that's making it less opaque. In terms of tokenization for something like the art fund we're doing, we believe that's the future. Not only is there a, a big market for regular shares of an art fund, but tokens are gonna to be increasingly important. And that relates to the second uh, mm -hmm. data point I was talking about, and that's that illiquidity. Uh, because the art market is traditionally thought of as being illiquid, it's not traded on a day-to-day -day basis like equities, uh, you need a way to increase um, the ability for clients to make that investment liquid. And mm -hmm. by having a token that can mm -hmm. be traded outside mm -hmm. of the trading of the fund, that's going to make that, Great uh, that work of art much more Right. And that's exciting. That's and, and that's yeah, what we're really looking into. Sorry, Jay. Yeah, what we're really looking into is we all know digital trading is, is going to happen, right? We're talking for a Web3 audience. But we also know that it's nascent currently. So we make sure when we tokenize Liz's trust information and we make sure we're going to show you some slides where we can actually show you how we do that. Um, but we make sure that our asset tokens reference to security tokens, right? We want to make sure that the asset is now actionable, not necessarily part of an art fund, but Liz and the team create these diversified portfolios also to make sure that people don't take take too much risk, right? You want to make sure that you don't put all your eggs in one basket by just having them have a share of one very expensive artwork that maybe Basel should buy, but you really want to fractionalize it and then create a whole enthuse a whole new audience of let's say more financial people or people who want to take part of this this new market or the upside of the art market not necessarily that's that's maybe a risk a billionaire should to take but we want to make sure that it's a diversified portfolio with a lot of risk mitigation in the way that Liz and the team build up the collection but maybe for the for the more uh, digital yeah, the, the let's say the, the the people who believe in web 3 
we also want to make sure that the cap table will be synchronized, right, when secondary trading make, takes place. So we have to be very careful in the way we tokenize the asset and how they can reference to security tokens. And for that, we talk to very many partners. I mean, not only Securitas, with whom we co collaborate currently. We, lo we look at tokeny. We're very much part of the whole ecosystem of digital trading. Uh, not because we we can, Liz and I cannot create that market, right? We cannot create the distribution, but our asset tokens need to be fully, fully uh, integ integratable with the security tokens of the future. Um, so may maybe this is a good moment, Liz, to pull up some slides, right? And I, I know Jay, Jay kindly wants to do it for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Look at this. I, I can do lots of, uh, lots of things. One of those includes showing some slides for you here. Yeah. Yeah, walk, walk us through these. And, and one of the things I really want to just kind of, you know, that, number one, that was a really great uh, kind of explanation of what you do. But I also want to say how complicated this is. And, and I'm not talking about the technology. <laughs> the blockchain to us, that's the easy part of this. The complicated part is, you know, really it, the, the expertise that you bring and, and your expertise is very hard to find, um, it, as you very well know. The concepts of being able to take that education, you know, that that history and, and the really all of the thoughts that you have and bring it onto blockchain where it can live forever. Like that's that's the value of the technology bridging this gap. And so I'm really excited about this. So please continue. Thank you. Well, I mean, Liz will definitely uh, talk about this this slide and and, and and the market we're tapping into, but maybe I can say for 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 Liz and understanding the opportunity of the joint venture is Sotheby's, for example, appraises uh, uh, sells five billion dollar of art, uh, Christie seven billion, and Liz and the team usually appraise ten billion dollar of art. So that gives you um, it's not only domain expertise; it's also the sheer volume of the tradable art that they see and appraise that that makes them see how this asset class needs to be treated. Sorry, Liz, that I can't help myself. I wanted to say that I'm in all the teams, so that's why, yeah. yeah. This is why my non and I work so well together. We have so much to talk about all the time. The market is so fabulous. I mean, if you think that there are $3 trillion worth of art held globally in, in collections, that's a pretty incredible number. I think in, in 2021, the art was about four and a half percent of the GDP in the U.S. That's a big, it's a big number. So uh, people who are out there thinking, why is art, why is this so interesting? It's because it's a big asset class. And we're seeing people move money from their equities, from their real estate, from uh, every other collecting class into the art market because they see it has incredible growth potential. And I think you can see there in that chart on the bottom, uh, that's a chart that I, Art Price put together uh, showing that the top 100 uh, artists uh, grew in exponentially faster over the past 20 years than the S&P. So that doesn't mean that every artwork is gonna go up in value over time, but it means you have to have the knowledge, which we do at Winston Art Group. Uh, we have an incredible depth of knowledge and then put that together with Nana and his tech team to get those digital tokens and you have something really powerful in the art market. Um, it, the market is really skewed now towards contemporary art. Uh, that's really where all the action's happening. And you can see on the right-hand side, a uh, an emerging artist that was purchased for, for under $13,000 in 2019 turned over at auction for um, 
almost $900,000 two years later. So this is what's happening in the market. You see a huge increase in selected emerging artists. You see a constant growth in the top end of the uh, blue chip market. So it's a really, really exciting time to be involved with the art market and to pull tech in to really make it um, something something that is uh, that gives the, the the market the sense of security. You know, the thing I love about this chart is it really showcases just how much the world has continued to change around, you know, art. Um, but but the, the the basics are, you know, still there. And I don't understand those basics. But but that's where it becomes so exciting to, to individuals like yourselves and, and all the collectors out there um, is because you can adopt new technologies to, you know, I, whether this is a painting or, or photography or anything else, the, the mediums are relatively the same. But again, bridging that gap and being able to create more liquidity, that's the, that's the number one challenge of these things. Faster faster turns and more secure uh, levels of ownership. Yeah, and Jay, it's actually, as always in life, it's a little bit more com complex than the chart. And I think that's where domain expertise comes in. I mean, Liz and I have seen efforts to fractalize, for example, a work from Picasso or several works from Picasso. And Picasso is an amazing artist. And Picasso can be a huge opportunity in a fund. But even Picasso sometimes painted artworks that actually cannot sell because they were just not good enough or for different reasons uh, something happened that the art market never picked up on that artwork so even if you talk about artworks that in the stat or in the graph that we just look at would definitely show how uncorrelated art is as an asset class to the stock market even then you have you need domain expertise and, and real expertise of the market to see, are we dealing with the objects that can be traded more easily than, than other objects, although it may be a, a blue chip name, you know? I mean, Liz and I always talk about it when we go to art fairs together, is our heart can be lured into a certain uh, booth from a certain gallery because we see an artwork that we love. Uh, but maybe for the art fund with a different cap on, which is, by the way, Liz's job, right? She and her team are independent. They, they have to buy the art uh, when we raise the money for the fund. But with a different hat on as being in charge of an art fund, you will most likely go to another gallery that already has a track record of discovering certain artists at an early stage. So, again, you know, it's not only emotions, it's not only what you like, it's making informed decisions and you have to make informed decisions for your clients. And we haven't even spoken of the database yet, but that's coming later. But maybe the next slide would be great. Me. I want to add one more thing too, and this isn't this isn't to say that um, that collectors who are buying for their own passion and who buy something they love that's fabulous. This is something we're talking about something that's going to only increase the size of the art market because it's bringing in people who perhaps don't want to have their own collections, don't have the funds to have their own collections, but want to get something, want to want to be part of something bigger and something that they can then uh, trade. And, and so all of this information then becomes part of the asset, doesn't it? The whole story behind the uh, the art or the collectible becomes part of its uh, part of its mystique, part of its value. You're absolutely right, mm -hmm. and that's what—that's the information that is tokenized by Nana's team, mm -hmm. and that is so important. Yes, Sue and, and Jay, you're now looking at just a few examples of artwork that Artree has tokenized in the past. 
I'm particularly proud of, of the first one, uh, this beautiful sculpture. Uh, there it was actually a, a very renowned uh, gallery in, in, uh, in decorative art in Paris that collaborated with Christie's on a sale. And they insisted on art retokenizing all the, all the artworks that were being sold at Christie's because the provenance of these 18th century pieces is so impeccable. They've done so much research on the provenance that that was actually a very important attribute to the valuation and the value of these pieces. So Galerie Steinetz collaborated together with Christie's and we got all the information from Christie's and the Galerie Steinitz to tokenize it with the underlying assets. So there you have a tokenized, the first tokenized decorative piece on blockchain. The second is also the first. It's the first old master painting that was actually registered on blockchain by us. It's a Botticelli that was sold at Sotheby's. Uh, again, all the trust information created by Sotheby's we have an API in place with Sotheby's and all the trust information goes into our system. So again, no additional workflow, just a regular work workflow. Mm -hmm. And we scoop it up in what we call our due diligence tool. And now this Botticelli has a permanent record on the blockchain. The third is actually a piece that I own. <laughs> I love it. It's a Kehinda Wiley. Uh, and and me and my, my partner, we collect uh, art mostly from African-American artists. And we actually submitted this through the Artery portal uh, in a fully encrypted way to listen to her team. And they, do, they did due diligence. And thank God we passed the test. Apparently, we happened to be uh, the rightful owners of the piece. And that created a token created, created by us, but based on, on appraisal information of Winston Art Group. So there you have it. These are just a few examples. That's amazing. Yeah, and what I love about, you know, again, to me, blockchain is is so adaptable to so many different aspects and asset classes around the world. Right. Um, it's some that we, we haven't even invented yet and, and some that have been lost to time that, that may be able to come back from these things. And, you know, there's there's so many pieces of art uh, in, in basements. Uh, we, we worked on a project uh, probably a couple of years ago where they were trying to pull, you know, all this art out of these, out of these museums' basements that nobody even knew what they were. Um, and the reality was that something as simple as, as cataloging on, on the blockchain, which is exactly what you're doing, would allow somebody, you know, a hundred years from now to at least have, you know, some semblance of be able to pull something out where there's more data than just, you know, a, a little scribble on the back or, or whatnot. The, the, ability to put, you know, true petabytes of, of data up in a cloud and have it sustained forever is an amazing concept. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think art is is an ideal uh, object to be tokenized, actually. But again, let's all do, let's not create a new bubble. Let's do it in the right way. Let's make sure that real trust partners cryptographically sign off on the information. And uh, that's always my biggest worry, you know. let's You, you have people already looking at the art market and all the opportunities for art lending and you name it without even understanding uh, the underlying assets and let's not create a, a market of make-believe let's just be factual realistic and boring i mean listen are among the most boring people in the world so uh, i like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen i i i'm uh, i'm competing for that as well so so please i hope it's an open competition yeah. <laughs> I was I was in Tulum, Mexico last week, and I was in, asleep in bed by like nine oh, thirty at night every night. I was like, nope, no uh, parties. Just, yeah. So, oh my god, uh, so funny. So maybe the next, yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, this is this is to show you how business as usual can actually be used, uh, can be applied for new technology. Because uh, what you see here is is literally what happens, right? There's an artwork owner. You have the Winston Art Group. We should we should work on that on that image, Liz. I'm so sorry, um, but you have someone who uh, who just does the job, right? There's usually a whole group of people, actually, as Liz said, there are 50 point of reference that they check, all the due diligence is done. Uh, but we actually uh, created a due diligence tool with the incredible help of the, of the Winston team in, in telling us exactly how, what kind of due diligence they do, what kind of digital information they create, and that digital creation can be digitized and can actually enter the blockchain uh, by, our, by our due diligence tool. And that creates two things. It creates more like a deed, which is the token. Uh, that's the most important information about the artwork, such as ownership information. By the way, Artry cannot see anything, right? It, as, as you know, as an insider, People believe everything is public with 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 uh, with blockchain. Well, first of all, everything is hashed, so if you don't have mm -hmm. access to that information, you can't see it. But the the token is connected to a smart contract, and the smart contract is always appendable. That's the nature of the smart contracts, and that actually has all the due diligence information. And as you can imagine uh, if an artwork becomes actionable, so to say, if it would enter, for example, an art fund, it's very important to know uh, where is the where is the custody, who is the custodian of the of the artworks, um, who is allowed to see the artwork, inspect the artworks. All that information is appendable, and and can be shared with uh, the partners who, for example, invest in a tokenized way where you see the security token coming up uh, each a little bit further down. We call it a platform because a security token holder will actually have to enter our platform and they have access to this information and then they can see either the attestations that have been created. So the Winston Art Group has seen a specific artwork in this and that uh, price range. Not necessarily, maybe for Sue, that's good to understand. We don't necessarily share all the artworks that will be, for example, in a $250 million fund because we, we the, the fund needs to ultimately sell these artworks. And you don't want to hang an, art mar an artwork above the art market. Oh, this is coming your way. This is coming your way. If the surprise element is gone, that will not have a good effect on the price. But there, there's enough you can show your investors that there is actually an attestation of that artwork. There is, a, sorry, Jay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, what, the thing I want to point out that's the most amazing to this is right now in blockchain, yeah. again, from a technical side, everyone goes, I have this thing and I'm going to put it on chain and I'm just going to say that if you need information, you're going to have to contact me. Like, let me know, and I'll I'll let you know everything I have. And that doesn't work because we can't. We don't sometimes know who you are and everything else. And and this this robust flow, um, which is again uh, the the showcase of professional entrepreneurs and professional business people, um, really showcases how much time, energy, and effort you went into this to make sure that not only is the information you know relevant and and you know true, uh, but also that it's it's accessible later by all future owners 
who want to add to add to this record chain of record um, and and really inc- continue to increase the value. And that's something that I don't see quite often in a lot of blockchain projects. It's like, hey, I can spin up a smart contract and, and this. Here you go. Everyone that's decentralized, figure it out. Um, this is a very robust workflow that that is that seems very Web two, uh, but with the adaptations into Web three, which is absolutely why we're here, and I love this. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's a hybrid between Web two and Web three, and and actual work that has been done. Which so you go from digital to Web two to Web three, and Liz and I are very closely monitoring the Web three world. Um, that's also why we always make sure that these asset tokens can reference to security tokens because then the security token owners who own shares in the fund through the through the means of tokens can actually have access uh, you know um, access to to the to- tokenized underlying information so yeah that's that's how indeed how it works and then of course a little bit further down the line you see unfortunately these days the regulator will not allow you to uh, to have these artworks shown in public, uh, they will have to be in a secure warehouse for now. But we have many conversations with regulators to see if we can maybe change that, and artworks could go uh, to uh, to to museums, for example, on loan. Um, but um, at the end of the road, what you see, there will ultimately be marketplaces and financial institutions that we cannot predict yet. But we want to make sure that we make these artworks actionable, as I said. And I'm so incredibly grateful that, that Liz and, and, and Winston understand how important the role is of an independent appraisal company like theirs to be involved in, in this kind of uh, asset tokenization. So just quickly for, for our audience, we're talking about Winston Art, Artery, individual provenance, research, tokenization, and the fund, the art fund. Is that correct? Which is where you can invest in, um, is it fractionalized? Is that what you would call it, Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's a fractionalized uh, mm-hmm. bucket of artwork. And, pre- and so the tokenization a, that would provide the liquidity. At the same time. Uh, uh, that's correct. Yeah, exactly. And so the, so the partners are we, Winston Art Group, largest independent appraisal mm-hmm. uh, and advisory Platform. firm in the U.S., Artery, the most mm-hmm. important tech art uh, platform. Mm-hmm. And then we came together at Artery Winston, that's our joint venture, to Excellent. do this art fund, the tokenization, yeah. the due diligence, yeah. and, and, and so on. What, what we did is we know yeah. that digital trading will take some time. So Liz and I very, very much wanted to make sure that also traditional between brackets, so it's nothing traditional about these folks, they're just not uh, investing through tokens. So we created a master fund, a Bermuda Corporation, uh, ISA Bermuda Corporation, which which is uh, the, the way for investors, family funds, etc. Mm-hmm. We created it in a way that institutional investors can invest in this fund because it's actually a completely uh, administered fund. Apex, the largest fund administrator in the world, is the is the administrator of the fund. There is like uh, an, an auditor, Spicer Jeffries is our auditor. There, the best artwork custodian, Volvo, is involved. So we did everything we could to make sure that people who really want to invest in art 
from from an institutional view, mm -hmm. uh, point of view can invest in this. So this is what you now see is only the uh, is only the technology and and all the domain expertise of Winston, which is all incorporated in the flow. But the regulatory framework is equally important mm -hmm. to us because we're the only administered fund. It's hard to believe, but the other art funds are are not administered. Wow! Uh, wow! It's very easy to believe. Very few people. <laughs> actually follow the rules. <laughs> no, well, I don't want to say they don't follow the rules, but we just want to make sure that we, Liz and I have a plan. We want to make art accessible to people who don't necessarily know the asset class. The fact that a lot of people are still reluctant to walk into Sotheby's or Christie's. And even I, when I have a little cold, I don't necessarily want to go to a gallery because it's a rather imposing uh, world, you know? <laughs> So we want to open up that world for people and, and show them information about art in a way that they actually start to trust it or start to understand it. And maybe the last the last we can do really fast and then we can just go back to the conversation, but maybe the last couple of slides. Actually, the next slide is very much a list slide, by the way. So, yeah. Yeah, that just shows some of the due diligence that we do. It's, it's so important because we know clients have a passion for art, but we're the ones that stand behind that work of art and say, yes, this is something that you should uh, that you should invest in. And something that's coming up more and more is AML, KYC, anti-money laundering, and know your customer. Uh, we, do, we take a, a, a really strong stand on making sure that everything we handle is AML and KYC compliant. Uh, and that we're going to see more and more. A big part of the, the Winston Art Group's task is, of course, also when they do valuation, is to look at historical data on at the art market, right? Um, so for us, what Artry has done is we acquired the, lar the largest data set like three years ago in the art mm -hmm. market if it comes to historical data, uh, historical transaction database. So all the public sales are captured in that database. We worked really hard not not only to grow the database, but to make well-informed decisions in which markets are we going to, to follow. And we were very lucky because the database is used by Claire McAndrew, and she writes the UBS Art Basel report, which in our world is the Bible, right? Once a wow. year, there's the Art Basel report, and everyone in the art market looks at it to look at trends, how much art was sold in specific countries, uh, continents, what kind of art, what what echelon of the market did well and what mm -hmm. did not. And that's all captured by us in the database. And because Claire McAndrew started using this four or five years ago for the Art Basel report, she also made, helped us in, in, in looking at, you know, to make well-informed decision and what kind of data are we going to use. And then completely separate for us, and it will always be separate from us, we have no insight in those data, but it helps the investor in our funds. Liz and her team have their data, proprietary data, cannot be used by us, but Liz, you maybe can say that, because, yeah. Yeah, we, we have collected you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, data points of private and dealer sales. So we have an incredible database of yeah. information that's not publicly. So does that help you as, as you're buying, looking to buy art for the, for the fund, does that help you or what helps you identify um, 
un undiscovered artists yet. You know, your example earlier showed an enormous return on investment. You know, what kinds of things do you look yeah. for uh, that would that would signal potential in an undiscovered artist? It's like you're a, you're an amazing stock picker. That's a great question. We look at. Yeah, exactly. We look at the gallery because certain galleries have great track records with, with emerging artists. Uh, we look at the artists themselves and we see, do they have some kind of unique style or unique message that, that resonates? Um, we look at who's collecting that artist. Is it mm -hmm. which, which uh, private collectors, which institutions? What are the upcoming exhibitions? Is there a word on the street that that artist is going to be picked up by a I think I see an AI machine gallery. learning project uh, We're here. looking at everything. <laughs> uh, we're looking. Yeah, no, I mean, AI is going to be really helpful with that. There are some really interesting companies that are starting to use AI to try and gather that sort of information together. Uh, you really need the connoisseurship mm -hmm. of the of a person or of a group or a people who know the market and who know the artists who can talk to the artists in person and the dealers and so on. But AI so on this, on this slide, can you tell us why you picked the two question. artists? I think that's a Calder, isn't it? And, and I don't know the other one. Why did you pick those? And what's the other one and why did you pick them? It is them? a Calder. Yeah. The, well, I see. 20th century design yeah. is a big uh, area of collecting now, and that was a work that we had yes. uh, sold for a client. And of course, Calder is an, is an icon of the 20th century. And uh, that would always, be sort of a blue chip strong. artwork in in a fund, the Calder at the highest echelon of the higher echelon of the market. Yeah. Maybe the next slide, awesome. Joe. Uh, Jay, sorry. Absolutely. So here you see this. There we go. This more this more looks more like my language. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the left Absolutely. and you're looking at the right on this slide. In this case, we used Algorand. Um, we're, we're, we're blockchain agnostic, but we actually started working with Algorand for more the environment. They were the first who came up with uh, a more eco-responsible way to use blockchain, and that triggered us to start working with Algorand. Great people, by the way. Um, but we don't only work with Algorand, uh, of course. But uh, this this was actually Algorand that we used to pick up all the due diligence that uh, that's done by by the Winston Art Group. So here you see actual work, you see hashes, you see how it enters the blockchain, and maybe you go to the next slide, Jay, if you wish, if you can, yeah. And the, all that sort of unreadable language ultimately leads, and if you go to the next uh, slide, it just leads to, there's a different way you can can use this, right? I mean, if you have the key to unlock the hashed information that's on the blockchain, it spits out something that looks very much like a report that Winston would create. So there's a lot you can do there. And uh, as I said, we firmly believe in working with partners like Liz, and actually we so much believe that we have the right partner that we're not looking for another partner. But if you look at the sheer volume of what they do and the serious work they do, then I believe you can tr create enough trust to look at a way to create new markets. And, and new markets, as and Liz said it so well, it, we don't believe we're disrupting the art market. The art market works really well. 
um, it's, it's maybe a relatively small market in the scheme of things. And especially if you look at people looking at the digital market, everybody immediately talks about 7 trillion, 10 trillion, God knows how many trillions. Let it be just a little bit less than that. But if we can open up this market to a new kind of investors who are more tech savvy, who are really interested in real world assets and are a little wary of all the digital products they could acquire the last couple of years, um, I think and you have risk mitigation in place, I think we're up to something there, which is which is exciting. Yeah, I, to me, the, the concept of decentralization and, you know, really being able to globally create new asset class markets, you know, you, you guys, this is an asset class. You guys have, you know, it's at $3 trillion, you're, you're there. Right. Um, the, the, the biggest difference, though, is it's very hard. Uh, for someone who does not have friends or does not understand the art world. And I, I can say that as I have lots of friends in the art world. I have, I've taken a peek inside a few times and I don't understand right. it. It's a different language of which I don't speak, um, but I do speak financials. Um, and I do, I, and I am absolutely interested in various forms of asset classes. I bought various NFTs that were related to fine art. I, I absolutely believe and understand and whether it's a pure digital uh, work or whether it's a, it's a, you know, a, physical work that's represented on chain, um, I think it's the exact same thing. And, and I think that is really where the Gen Zs are going to be kind of really pushing over the next few decades that, that they don't understand the difference between physical and digital. But more importantly, what they need to understand is the, is the idea of true ownership, that whatever it is, they need to actually have ownership. They absolutely need to have, you know, a clear title as, as Sue related to and, and Nan, you, you said very, very clearly, you know, that it needs to be um, something that they can invest in. Um, and, and then digitization opens up fractionalization. And that to me is, is one of the most amazing parts of what we're talking about here. Not everyone can afford a million dollar painting. But there's a lot of art clubs and, and investment clubs that do have, you know, absolutely have a million dollars to invest. But the concept of, of showing up and trying to, you know, coordinate a hundred people uh, that, that want to purchase a million dollar, you know, piece of art is a very hard thing to do in the real world. But on blockchain through DAOs and through and, and really through smart contracts, it's very easy to do. And, and then coordinating with a firm like yours, it, it makes so much sense. What we found interesting, Jay and, uh, and, and Sue, is that we've, we've also been talking to investors in the fund who said, I'm actually now exposed to different collecting categories because you create this diversified portfolio and I'm actually only interested in, in very young artists and, and emerging artists. But now I also have exposure in blue chip art, mid-career artists, etc. So they see that as an interesting opportunity to invest in different kind of art through the fund. And you said that so well, Jay, and it is something that we really want to say again, and that is that we're, we're using tech as a tool to change a, an idea of faith in, in the people who are selling the art or putting the art fund together or doing anything in the art world, move that into trust. And the only way you can move it into trust is by having this due diligence tool that actually has that trusted information in it. And you can, you, it's tangible, you know, you can see it. Uh, really an amazing interview so far. And, 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 and again, I love talking about topics of which I have no idea. Um, I cannot speak intelligently about art, but I can absolutely talk intelligently about the technology and, and really about what it takes to bring liquidity to an asset class. Um, and that's one of the things that when we were talking about, you know, commercial real estate, which I, which I am very experienced in, it, it really suffers from a lot of the same problems that that the you know that you just described with the art world, which is number one is the title clear, great, 
two, what is the actual condition and status and, and real value uh, of this piece? And then lastly is, you know, what am I able to understand about the history of that building, which is the exact same thing you're doing on art. And I think that both of these asset classes are really paired exactly similar. And we know that both are really working on the, the legal way to, to have inroads here. That being said, the other part of this that's so interesting to me is the, the ability to have centuries of data stored on chain for people long past us to actually be able to use. I mean, less than less than a fraction of a fraction of a percent of history has been recorded, you know, about these pieces of art or, or about properties or about anything else. So I'd love to hear, you know, Liz, you, you're, you're a data geek, um, you know, kind of a little bit about what you guys are, are focused on and, and how that's going to be used in the future. Sure. And there are various aspects of data, of course. There is the data that we have in our in our database, which is incredible information that's so important for clients to know. Why is this mm -hmm. particular work better mm -hmm. than that other work by the same artist? And that's data. That's that's all data. You know, it's condition, it's size, it's medium, it's style, it's you know who who owned it before, what was is its title clear, uh, how quickly has it traded uh, in the market? You want to see something fresh to the market, and so many other. Points. Those are all really important data that we use from our database and we work with Nana with his database to make sure all that data is in there for, for clients so that they can tell why. Yeah, with a very clear iron wall, right? Artry is yeah, never yeah. able of looking into Winston's data. We can't because that would basically be the end of the whole product. We have a different data set. We have a transaction database, like 40 million transaction records, which we actually also use. As I said, it's used by Claire McAndrew for the Art Basel, UBS Art Basel reports. It's a very solid uh, data set, the most solid in the business. The way we use it is next to what Liz does with her team. We want to use the data set to do valuations as well, although we are clever enough to see when there's a red flag when you don't have enough data it will immediately pass on by, by listening the team to do valuations because when these assets are tokenized and digital trading takes place and secondary trading of these token states takes place, there needs to be a very regular update on the valuation because, of course, these tokens will have a certain value at a certain moment. And, and we see a big part of that in the future being able to use our data for. I mean, I love data, but I'm also well-informed enough in the art market to know that our database may be amazing. It's also just the start. And quite often we may have, we may just use the expert, not just, it's almost like the, the experts are not better than any data set, but we need a real experts to, to check what does the database tells us? What does the database inform us and how we can use it? It's, it's maybe just a starting point for Liz's group to start working. And currently, the database is used, which is really very nice, uh, for risk analysis on artworks that Liz and the group want to buy. What do our data, our data, the Artry data, tells the Liz's group as a risk assessment? If Kenda Wiley, for example, what do the what what do the historical records tell you? What do they inform you for Liz and the group to see should be included in the in 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 the art fund or not? And of course, there's more clever than data, but it gives them a very nice starting point of, of immediately seeing, ah, okay, that's that's what happened to Kinda Weiler over the last eight years at auction. It's always yeah. a good beginning, start, starting point. 
Amazing, amazing. Um, so as we bring this to a close, I, I'd love, Sue, to kind of, for you to really wrap this all up. Um, because again, you, you you have so much more experience in the art world and you know just as much experience in blockchain as well because you, you have a number of projects <laughs> under your belt. Love well, that. Liz, yeah. uh, Liz and, and uh, it's um, I just the the richness of what you're bringing to people, whether whether they are more experienced than than uh, most of us, or are just learning. All of that history that you've collected on these pieces of, of art is um, I, it, amazing and educational, and I think helps all of us appreciate each individual piece of art. Um, uh, even even more, and then the transaction data, taking that history and looking what hap at what's happening currently, um, is uh, it's an amazing project that combines art and science, art and and technology, and I think Liz, you said it that you know a a collector may be younger or newer and may be collecting things at a certain price point but then to vert, to diversify his or her portfolio to buy into masters or more mature artists through the fund i had never thought about thinking of this asset class as a portfolio of different kinds so um, it, it's been a great conversation today thank you Amazing, amazing. Yeah, one of the things I just love is again the, the fact that we're we're in a, a very um, old asset class, but again applying new technology. And we did see, and and I'd love just real quick as we bring this to a close to, to hear your two uh, opinions on this. Is I remember the days when eBay, um, you know, showed up and people were just like, either they loved it or they hated it and went back and forth. But at the end of the day, it was a net positive for for artwork, for collectibles, and for so many things because it had, gave so much more exposure than, than people didn't know where to walk into a, an auction house. And and, and I feel, I, again, I feel like we're at one of those cusps again where you can, you know, we've already gotten to the point where you can bid on things and see them all over the world. That's That's been done, you know, times over. But now to be able to validate and verify and make sure that what you're bidding on really is what you're, you're, you want to buy prior to hitting that that bid button is a big piece because right now if you if you buy something on eBay and it's and it's wrong you might be able to correct it you're going to go through that but the opportunity cost of you may have missed out on something else during the months if you've had to unwind this transaction that's a big thing that keeps people away from it but if you know day one here's the history here's what I'm bidding on here's why it's so important that gives more confidence and brings higher higher prices at auction correct No, agreed on that. And and uh, I always say Liz and her group make art buyers more informed, art owners more informed. When we add a level of technology to that, you 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 can enter new markets with with the assets that are actually as good as they can be. And that has been my biggest worry. When I see new technology, you always see people who, who smell an opportunity because they think, oh my gosh, the art market, it's opaque, it's this and that, let's make some money there. It's not that easy. You need a little bit of gray hair. You need a little bit of expertise to really inform people well on, on this relatively unique asset class with a lot of opportunities, really. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. So for anyone that uh, wants to know more, they want to buy art, they want to list art, they want to just get in, you know, geek out with you guys on some data, where can they find you and learn more? Maybe this best starting point is r3-winston.com, r3winston.com or go to the Winston Art Group website or to the Artry website. Ultimately, we all lead to Artry Winston because that's the result of our joint venture, but we're different companies, of course. So I think you can have a lot of fun on whatever website you go and you 
will learn a lot on the Winston website, the Archery website, or the Archery Winston website. Well, congratulations to the two of you. Really exciting. And again, so um, just at, at the birth of a new asset class with it, with <laughs> one of the oldest asset classes uh, in existence. So so thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Whales, this is Artery Winston and Sue. Thank you so much for coming in and co-hosting with me. Thanks, Jay. We'll see you guys next time. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWhales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.